Second floor sports, we have a very familiar face joining us, Ben Carlton, Matthias Wallman, and of course, if you can't tell from the jersey, number seven, uh, probably wide receiver one for Springfield, Frank Rossi from In the D3 Football Huddle. How are you doing, Frank? We're doing good. Uh, in the D3 FB Huddle, 14 uh, seasons. If you told me in season one we'd still be doing this, I would have said you're absolutely nuts. If you told me after two seasons we'd still be doing it, I would have said <laughs> you're nuts for that matter. So. Yeah, uh, we, we had a little uh, shift change from Eric Wren to JB uh, at this point, James Baker. And uh, as you guys know, JB is just tremendous. Uh, just like you guys say, it's a certain team chemistry that forms and you can't do it without the other. And so I never want to see you two, you know, have one of those <laughs> epic fights where you two aren't together. OK, well, it's you, funny you, you it. mentioned that before you got on, we were. I don't know if I'd say legislating out uh, some issues in our fantasy football league, but we were having a a verbal disagreement about the way some things have gotten out, but that's, that's something for the actual second floor sports show. We'll get into that. Me as a commissioner, Matthias is the commissioner and I'm I'm the voice of the people. Let's put it that way. I'll I'll leave it at Ben tried to create a coup and I use my commissioner powers because I told him if you guys have me running around for money to get from you guys, then I can use my powers. But has Ben ever been a commissioner? Not of this league. I've been a commissioner before. I'm the founding father. Mm, that's one way yeah, the, the one and only <laughs> the, the godfather <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna leave that one untouched um well so the reason the reason we're all here today is let's see last week of this or two weeks ago now uh, it was last week it was, was just like yeah, early it was last, last week. week yeah uh, a tweet came out from at bomber radio net on twitter of course bomber radio net where matthias and i have been very familiar with the ithaca college uh, sports radio network that said that there was an announcement coming the following day between Ithaca Athletics, Cortland Athletics, and Yankee Stadium, the New York Yankees. What could it be? I wonder what it could have been. <laughs> so, you know, immediately everyone's texting a bunch of people. The wheels start turning. We all kind of made the, you know, we connected the dots that, you know, there was going to be a Cortica play at a Yankee Stadium at some point in the future. Uh, and then the next day, it came out official word the 2020 well Cortica. well okay well, you're, you're skipping a step someone was... accidentally leaked out the graphic yes <laughs> uh the some intern some student not sure what the deal was might have let the website go live <laughs> a bit early a bit prematurely but again we all kind of were able to put the dots together that cortica for 2022 is being played at yankee stadium in the bronx it's part of you know the ic alumni weekend it's going to be I'm sure a whole production. Frank, what was your immediate reaction? A to the first, I don't know if you saw the first bomber radio net tweet, but is your general reaction to the news that Cortico would be at Yankee stadium? Well, you know, being a member of the media at this point, uh, (laughs) well, uh, we got a, an advisory on Thursday of the previous week that there was a big announcement coming uh, at one of the uh, administrative buildings, et cetera. And so we're like running the gamut of ideas here. And, uh, you know, Justin Lutz, uh, the SID over at Ithaca, had sent it out and was like, I doubt you can get down here. And I'm like, well, you know, depending on the gravity of it, I might be able to get down there because I've been staying in upstate New York and the Albany area more, uh, Saratoga, mm-hmm. uh, really. I'm like, so could you at least give me some indication of what it is, Justin? Radio silence. So we're running through is uh, Ithaca going division one is, uh, yeah, is Ithaca is uh, AD, Susan Bassett retiring, you know, what's going on here? 
Uh, and then it, little by little, people were starting to think Cortica, Cortica, but exactly what it was, we weren't sure location wise. So when Monday came around and I never got the second email. So mm -hmm. Justin, I, I'm, I'm coming for you, Justin. I hope they let me on campus this weekend for the uh, Hobart game, actually. Um, we, uh, we saw all the stuff you just alluded to, and I wasn't shocked by it, but I was like, phew, they're not going Division One at least. That's, there's that much. So imagine Butterfield as a Division One stadium. That would be interesting. That, uh, yeah. yeah, you might have I to add I, some I, tears. I have the turf and the lights now, but. Yeah, no. That's not uh, <laughs> different podcast, but anyway, different episode. Yeah, it, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a good announcement. Um, it's, it's an unusual announcement because it's a very positive foresight type of situation. And I, I, here's why I say that. Our friend Ted Baker, who is the Hobart uh, WEOS broadcaster, just told JB and me that he's not being allowed in the press box at Ithaca because of COVID uh, protocols and restrictions. Yeah. And I find that a little tough to swallow personally because, you know, we'll talk about the RPI stuff in a little bit, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, that seems over the top as well to not allow for that service to occur. Whether or not they allow me on the sideline, I'm not sure. It's outdoors. One would hope. Yes, we'll see. But to go from not allowing people in your press box to, hey, let's get 50,000 people all together for a football game is a big leap of faith in about a 13, 14 month period of time. And I guess everybody is hoping, as we all think right now, uh, that COVID will be less of an issue by that point. Let's, you know, knock on wood or knock on wood uh, there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's they're trying to break the record, obviously, for a D3 game. Again, it's possible to do it. Um, the, the only thing that has ever been wrong with a Yankee Stadium football game is that the dimensions are a little awkward. It looks weird. Uh, I It is. Generally speaking, I don't love football at Yankee Stadium. I just feel like it doesn't – I don't know. It just doesn't look right to me. Pinstripe ball uh, that they play every year, uh, one of the uh, end zones is a problem. Marlin Stadium has the same problem uh at times or when well, let's flip it when marlin stadium becomes a football stadium i think one of the walls is like the corner of the end zone is right against the wall just about so yeah. these these baseball fields if they really had wanted to do football at these fields they probably should have thought about what the dimensions could have looked like on those walls to make it possible but they i don't think the designers of them ever wanted football to be in yeah. there so now we're retrofitting uh, you know, a, an established stadium to be football. It's tough, but in Division Three, it's going to be a majestic atmosphere. People are going to be like, so what? Uh, I, I think it's going to be exciting. You know, Fenway can't be used for this uh, purpose, I don't believe, no, uh, for football, only for hockey uh, from time to time. So it, this is exciting and needed, uh, again, in what the future could bring here after what we've been through. Yeah. And I'm glad to see it. And uh, let's hope that it does happen and with full capacity, et cetera. So, Frank, let me ask you, because last season was at MetLife. And it, it seems kind of weird to see it as kind of like a step down. Uh, but we, we, <laughs> we, kind of, we kind of did think this when we were at MetLife. The fact that this is great, but it probably doesn't get any better than yeah. this. And, I mean, you, you have as much of a pulse on D3 football in terms of players and what everyone thinks as anyone. So tell me what it's like from 
you know, maybe a player perspective to be going down there because obviously it's cool, but I think that we have to, you know, be upfront and acknowledge the fact that the reason they went to MetLife and the reason they're going to Yankee stadium next season is so that they can break the attendance record and have more fans and alumni from the area. Right. One would think so. By the way, Ben is Matias a Mets fan because the way yes, he's yes. dogging Yankee Stadium yes, right yes. now, he just showed right through that whole. We, I was, I was getting on him about the Mets. We'll get on. I'll get on Matias plenty about the Mets. Uh, I, I can't have a. I can't have a peaceful pod. day on my own podcast. No, you can't. No, you can't. <laughs> I never do. Why should you? Uh, <laughs> no, it, it's it's definitely the alumni base uh, for Ithaca and for Cortland uh, down in the Metro New York area, the tri-state area, as they call it down there uh, is very high and that's great. And you you have enough alumni that you can fulfill uh, demand uh, or, you know, supply for the demand that's uh, down there very easily and see those seats fill up. But to call it a step down, I mean, okay, from football perspective, you may be right because yeah. obviously MetLife is the Giants, the Jets, it's football. We're playing football in the football stadium and the football locker rooms. We're getting all this access that, that, you know, we watch on TV for football purposes, et cetera. When you're talking about pure history, though, come on, Yankee <laughs> Stadium. And granted, it's the new Yankee Stadium, yes. but still the ghosts are pretty present in there. Uh, it's, it's something that I, I, I don't think this is a downgrade. I just think it's a different animal a little bit because you're playing football in the baseball stadium mm-hmm. and others have played football in this baseball stadium, but it's still a baseball stadium, but still you, you go out to Monument park and see, you know, Lou Gehrig and, you know, Mickey Mantle and all those, uh, you know, tributes out there and everything else. Football guys, know baseball. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. They know sports generally. To be playing in Yankee Stadium, Tia's, it's a big deal. It, it's a great thing. Real quick, Ben, before you ask your next question, a follow-up. Okay. Over under on the amount of puns either that you use or that any broadcaster uses for the Bronx Bombers and the Ithaca Bombers when they play there. The over's already oh, hit. <laughs> I, I, I've stayed away from the story a little bit the last couple of weeks because I've been just so out of my mind, busy going down to Belton, Texas and everything for mm-hmm. the HSU UMHB game. So I, that's the first I heard it. And I, I cringed inside when you said it the first <laughs> maybe time. This, so maybe I'm not going to be using them. Maybe it's just in the Ithaca Twitter bubble, but it's been all over the place, yeah. at least for Matias and It's I. a lot. It's a lot. It's a <laughs> lot. Bombers better win in the Bombers Stadium. <laughs> the, the Ithaca Bombers become the Bronx Bombers. It's been – the over's already hit, and I'm, I'm not even joking there. Uh, obviously, coming out of Cortico 2019 at MetLife, it was, you know, really like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, or at least it was kind of billed as like, you know, what are what are two D3 schools doing playing in front of 45, 50,000 people at MetLife Stadium setting attendance records like this. You know, surely this can't possibly happen again. And I remember, I think Susan Bassett in like the Cordica media day that the week leading up to it, she kind of alluded to the fact that it was something that they would be interested in, you know, doing again in the future. I think we all, I, I, I'll speak for myself here. I don't want to put words in Matias's mouth, but kind of assume that's, you know, just like, you know, of course she's going to say like, yeah, we'll look into it in the future. And, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, here we are four years, three years after the fact, doing another, you know, neutral site Cortica at Yankee Stadium. Is this almost too much of a good thing? 
Well, I'm curious, and I was trying to figure this out, and I can't quite put my finger on it. Who's losing the home game? Who lost Ithaca. the home game the first so time? At, so if it was supposed to be at – or no, it was supposed to be at Cortland in 2020 because it was going to be at Ithaca in 2019 when we played at MetLife. This year it's at Cortland again, and 22 would have been at Ithaca. So essentially – nobody's lost more home games in, in the flip on this basically so it's one-to-one basically yeah well no didn't you just or say no ithaca, ithaca would have lost the next ethica would be losing because so it would have been in ithaca for 22 so from that perspective i think that, that they've got to start working on this a little bit because say if you're going to still play home site portica jug games then you shouldn't be robbing one team of the home site all the time just to get the neutral site games to go off the ground. I think that's something that's got to be worked on between the teams. Uh, maybe compensation for the next year on how you stagger these things uh, might be the way to do it. Now, COVID obviously created other issues. Some yeah. conferences took their 2020 schedules, moved them forward to 2021. Others just said, no, we'll act like 2020 remake. exists. Yeah. So there's, there's no consistency on that answer as it is. Okay. Having said that, is it too much of a good thing? Uh, it starts to be. I, I think it will dilute the product if they do it a third time within the next three to four years. Uh, but I think it, there's still enough excitement because of COVID. If COVID hadn't happened, I'd probably be here saying to you, yeah, maybe we should wait a couple more years for yeah. this. But this is one of those, hey, let's get 50,000 people together after our global pandemic made us basically you know, have to stay six feet away from each other for how long and all this other stuff. I think that's the allure to it here. And so COVID made it something I could, you know, put my arms around at this point and a lot of other people. Um, down the line, let's wait maybe every five years, every six years or something like that for yeah. this stuff, guys. I mean, yeah. one note on whether, you know, on Ithaca losing an extra home game, obviously there's a ton of people that go into, you know, creating an event like this. I think it's worth noting that two of the big names in the whole process, Mark Hudak and Bob Garone, are both Ithaca alums. So, you know, when they're kind of, you know, Mark and Bob are both huge and hugely instrumental in getting the game to MetLife in the first place. And obviously they were part of this whole process too. There are two bombers who are part of national championship teams. You know, they understand what it means to play at Cortica at Butterfield. And I'm sure that was something that went into their thought process and saying like, hey, we love this, but like if we can do it at MetLife, at Yankee Stadium, that, that's a trade-off. But let me let me ask you, yeah, let me ask you this question. You go to Cortland and you say, here, I got some good news, I got some bad news. Good news is we're gonna play Yankee Stadium this game. The bad news is I need you to basically cough up one of your home games in the series. Uh, you know, this go around, next go around, or whatever. Do you think Cortland says no to that? I mean, seriously, at that well, point? I will not- I will say it, it it was funny because obviously Ben and I were never anything but ecstatic that we were going to be calling a game at MetLife Stadium but at least not our close friends but I definitely had conversations with people that were upset that Ithaca was losing a home game and I will say I will say they were upset up until about mid-September early October when people really started to think holy shit we're gonna play a football game at MetLife Stadium and yeah. then people were like yeah we don't actually care about the game like this is really well, cool that we're going that's the funny thing that when like you know Matias and I both know like you know some students at Ithaca were upset about the game not being at Cordica Ithaca is not exactly a uh, a very sports focused school you know there's <laughs> the athletes there's the people like Matias and I who cover the teams but it's a small liberal arts school in upstate New York like it's I wouldn't call it 
you've been to regular season football games at Ithaca. It's not exactly a packed house. It's a great atmosphere for college football, but they're not filling every single seat there. So for some people to come out after the fact and be like, why are you taking the game off Ithaca's campus? I'm like, you would have been down on Hudson Street for that game, (laughs) but it's fine. Well, one moment I remember is I didn't actually get to the MetLife game because I was roughing for NFL flag. We had our Jets regional that day, uh, not that far from uh, MetLife. And so we're driving back uh, from that event because uh, it got over with while the game was going on. Right. And with the referees I was driving, I was like, yeah, right over there at MetLife right now is Ithaca versus Cortland going on. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, yeah, Division three game. They're doing a Division three game in MetLife. And so the wow factor, at least for the general public out there, is something that exists because they're like, wow, I would never thought that would have happened. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, the target field for uh, Johnny's Tommy's when that was a thing yeah. because that doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Uh, thanks, Mayak. Uh, <laughs> anyway, there is a wow factor and there is a wow factor to Yankee Stadium, but that wow factor starts to lose its, uh, its steam the more you do it and the more times you rob the same team of the home game to get it done ultimately. So there, there's some, I think kinks still to work out on how this plays out in the future. If indeed Ithaca is going to lose two home games and not get compensation for it back somehow, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. Let's, let, let's look at the bright side on this whole thing. It's going to be a freaking Yankee stadium guys. Yes. <laughs> Come on. It's so okay, it's well, like at, the, have... at the end of the day. Yes. They're, they're playing at Yankee stadium. Yeah. Like, I'm an Ithaca alum. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm not the only one that fits both of those roles. It's going to be so much fun. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. I despise the Yankees, and it's still super cool. Like, um, I we, do we, have we one. We get it. We get it. <laughs> yeah, we get it. We suck. I've been trying to say that for years. I have I have one negative type question to ask you before we move on to uh to the RPI debacle because I'm sure you have some thoughts on that. Um, so there was an article that came out in the Ithacan about a week before. And I, I wasn't related or anything about kind of the, the issues that have happened with the athletics budget for Ithaca. Um, and obviously Ithaca, like a lot of schools in 2020 went through a very rough patch in terms of money and had to lay off over a hundred teachers. Um, and closer to 150. Yeah. And I saw, and people were very unhappy with how it happened. And now there's no president for the school, Uh, which that's six years. Yeah. That's, that's a whole different story, but from your perspective, from looking holistically at D3 college athletics, do you see this as kind of a problem? I mean, football is always the, it's usually the sport that brings in the most money, but you know, for the second time in three seasons, you're going to a huge stadium and a lot of schools are still struggling a little bit with some money. Do you see that as kind of an issue? I don't see it as an issue uh, per se. I, I think the issue is that we, let's take the step back and ask ourselves how many schools are going to be able to survive ultimately. Uh, and we had said this a while back that it wouldn't be an instantaneous reaction. We thought we'd see a little bit more carnage in June mm-hmm. in terms of schools failing or merging or whatever. And we saw a good number. Okay. Division three football was at one point at 250 in terms of schools uh, playing. Now we're 239. And that was because of consolidation or closure mostly. Now some teams moved like St. Thomas. Okay. We, we got those Emory and Henry. 
same thing. Uh, Louisiana College, I think a third one. But others just disappeared, failed to exist. Yeah. Wesley, for instance, uh, merges uh, with Delaware State and they nerfed the entire athletics program at that point. So understand that's not the end of it, okay? Understand that, for me, Hartwick is an interesting situation. Hartwick had financial issues before the pandemic started. They're, they went to junk bond status, I think, or at least near junk bond status, or the status went down, whatever it was. You know, look it up. It's on the internet, folks. Uh, so but, it's got to be true, right? Well, it's got to be true, I think, for the publications that are publishing it on the internet, at least. Check, check but, your sources. Yes, true. <laughs> but let's say that the pandemic certainly didn't help Hartwick's financial position improve uh, yeah. at that point. And there are a lot of those schools out there, these smaller, you know, liberal arts type schools or regional colleges that I don't know how they're going to be able to survive with the effects COVID has had and will continue to have on enrollment issues. Uh, you know, and then there's the MITs of the world that you ask yourself, how can you charge the same tuition to all the students when you wouldn't allow two of the classes even on campus to use your engineering facilities, et cetera? There, there are a lot of open questions about how this thing affects us, how it affects sports at these schools, how it affects the schools themselves in terms of longevity. Don't be surprised to hear anything. But if, you, if you're going to try to connect holding this game in you know the Bronx the way they're doing it, I would say that ultimately – if they're smart, they're going to be able to get a lot of sponsorships and advertising around this yeah. that are going to at least offset that. Then they're not going to lose money on this situation. Uh, I can almost guarantee you that. If they are, that's foolish. You shouldn't have to lose money on this. So I think it actually is a revenue positive scenario and might be one reason why they're doing it. It might actually, they may have looked at MetLife and said, we made some good money on this because of the take we got on it and the advertising we sold around it. So let's do it again because we really need it right now. So think of it that way. Don't think of it as kind of a slap in the face to everybody else. It might actually help the school to do this. I, I, I personally didn't. And, you know, I, I figured like you are that they did the numbers on this and figured that they would be able to. Yeah. It's very possible there's more people that end up going to Yankee Stadium. I, th I was thinking the same thing, you know, obviously without seeing the actual numbers and the, you know, the budget, you know, the whole budget breakdown, if they had looked at the MetLife game and saw like a huge loss, I can't imagine they would be trying to do this at another venue. That's probably going to be more expensive playing at Yankee stadium than MetLife. Again, I completely spitballing here. I don't know the actual numbers, but just from, you know, trying to put two and two together, you would assume that MetLife was a net positive for them financially. What are your costs at the end of the day? Uh, basically, a bus to get the uh, players down and some ancillary uh, rooms and whatnot. Because I, do, I, I'm guessing they travel day of. Uh, they didn't do an overnight down there, did they? They did. No, they did. They no, had yeah, a whole team. Dinner. Okay, so team so dinner. it's one extra overnight stay, basically. Okay, fine. But ticket sales. What were the ticket prices? There yeah, were four. Did they get freebies? Ten, fifteen, I think. Yeah. So. When you multiply by 40,000, I mean, that's good money. Yeah. And I don't know who got to keep what ultimately, but there's probably enough money to go around because we're not exactly going to Ruth's Chris 
for our uh, meals and we're not exactly staying at the Renaissance Hotel for, you know, our state or the Marriott Marquis or whatever else. And so we, we live cheaply when we're in the three for sports. So I have a feeling they broke even at the worst on this game when it was there. I think that's a safe assumption. Yeah. Uh, keeping things in the Liberty League, moving on here a little bit. Uh, the RPI football situation is something that I think I'd speak for Matisse here. We weren't really aware of until you would start bringing some attention to it. Mm-hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but the crux of the issue is that RPI obviously is playing football, but they are not allowing families to actually be in the stadium for these games. Correct. That is correct. And I, uh, I just uh, recorded our uh, piece for uh, this week's crunch time show that we do. And so I'm pretty hot under the collar still for my five minutes of uh, yelling. Uh, So I'll, I'll give you the, the facts first, and then I'll give you my, yeah, whatever uh, next. Uh, (laughs) So RPI in the fall of last year, obviously canceled football with the rest of uh, the division, just about there were six games played in the fall, uh, mostly Midwest and Coast Guard versus Merchant Marine. That was it. So their philosophy was uh, to have some of the uh, student body back on campus, but not all the student body. Okay. And they were going to create a bubble for the people that were on campus. So great. You would think that when gyms were allowed to open in the state of New York, that they would have opened their internal gym, for instance, on campus. Right. They didn't. And so football players that wanted to stay you know, in shape and everything else, strength and conditioning, they were forced to go off campus to gyms. So you guys, you're very smart guys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So wait a minute. Okay. How does that work? So, okay, let's fast forward. Now we get through this fall, winter, spring, whatever, Go back. All four classes are back on campus. And presumably oh, they're doing a whole testing regimen and they're, ma- they're doing, you know, the bubble as best, you know, with a whole bunch of policies. So my first sign of things still being a little bit awkward is when I reached out to Coach Icernia at RPI to say, hey, want to do some preseason, you know, interviews with a couple players and you for our preseason show series that we did. We tried to cover, you know, each of the regions uh, in our shows. And uh, Region 2 is what they're in now. They, instead of just calling it, you know, the Mid-Atlantic or something, we just call it Region 2. It's great. Uh, who got paid big money for that at the NCA? So we, uh, he's like, well, do you know what the rules are right now? He calls me up. He's like, I can't have you on campus. So literally, we held interviews. There's a security gate. And then there's us standing next to the security gate in view of the ECAV, uh, the East uh, Campus Athletic Village there, mm. uh, it's the stadium, and doing interviews right there, right off campus, quote unquote. So yeah. again, it's hey, like- you're not, you're not, you weren't on campus. You weren't breaking any rules. I wasn't on campus, but apparently there was this force field such that if I stepped on campus, I would have been shocked to death or something like that. <laughs> Vaporized on the spot. Just have snipers yeah. just waiting. Dr. Jackson's ready to throw Frank something Rossi. out. I don't know what's what's going on there. So, okay. Then I'm like, you know, coach, I kind of want to come on campus. It was 9-11. I needed to be local. So I wanted to uh, cover the Stevenson RPI game. Pretty good game on paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mac team coming in against RPI. Uh, RPI used to get kind of uh, digged at or dug at for having, uh, you know, a 
bad out-of-conference schedule in the old days, and here's a real upgrade. They were playing Montclair one week, Stevenson the next week. He's like, well, I'm not sure if they're going to allow you to cover the game. Well, they did. Probably the biggest mistake they ever made. <laughs> they wanted this policy. So I walk in there. I first have to park in the same zone where I did those interviews, actually. Mm -hmm. And I had to walk where the scoreboard is. They had a gate. That was my entry point. And as I'm walking up there, it's 9-11. Dr. Jackson's on the field doing a tribute to 9-11 to an empty stadium. The players only are there. That's right. it. Okay. Your student body is not going to wake up any earlier than they have to on a Saturday to, to come to a football game. That was uh, basically what a, a noon kickoff or something like that. Presumably. Yeah. So, yeah. So I go over there and I go over to the right sideline, the RPI sideline, start shooting some Twitter video and whatnot that we always do. And I see a group on this grassy hill area way up in the upper right. And I'm like, injured players on the sideline. I'm like, let me guess. Those are your families up there. He's like, yeah, it is. And so the policy, as you alluded to, Matthias, is that RPI doesn't allow families on campus right now at all. In fact, their family weekend is a virtual family weekend. Mm. Think about that for a second. Did I, did so, I see correctly that on your Twitter that like the families had to like go to the bathroom in the woods this past weekend? So, we, I went up during halftime, drove around to the area where oh, they were, God. and and I uh, got one. Annie Cohen was her name. She works at Wellesley, and her son's on the team. And great, great interview uh, at halftime I had with her. And she actually, in that interview, thanked RPI for at least allowing them to use the facilities the, uh, for bathroom purposes. I think they were allowing them into ECAV uh, bathroom somehow or Porter John. I'm not exactly sure what. Didn't really think to ask about, you know, the right. bodily functions where they were doing them. That not quite the point time. of your interview. Yeah, really. But she did that say that. So we've tweet all this stuff out and sure enough, RPI takes away all access to bathroom facilities to these families in the next home game because there was a WPI game in between where WPI let the families, their families, onto the campus, mm. the RPI families onto the campus. They had, had some restrictions and rules, but yeah. they at least got to watch their kids play within proximity of the field, which is what we would hope that RPI would allow to happen here. So and this isn't really – you're not seeing the football game very well from where they are. Let me be honest with you. Right. We're talking nosebleed seats at – michigan's big house okay that that's where we're going with this so yeah rpi is obviously listening and watching what we're saying and they somebody didn't like the fact that they had allowed the bathrooms to be used and there we are so uh there's your facts uh and now my opinion lay it on us the floor is yours I talked to a father of an RPI football player last week uh, by phone for a good 45 minutes. And he told me, you know, not for nothing, but after that game that you attended, me and about seven other families I know were in the recovery room, which is a sports bar uh, locally chain. Uh, Great name. All also. eating, eating, drinking, doing everything possible there. Uh, and obviously without masks because you don't wear masks while you eat and drink. 
so the same players that weren't allowed to be near their families that could have been put on one side of the field away from the student body and everything else and use the same entrance I did if it came down to it, were all mingling together in a local restaurant. Again, if you're attempting to create a bubble, where's the bubble? Yeah, It's not there. Their stadium seats over 5,000 people. You're talking about families that total, if you say 100-ish football players times maximum four family members Let's say every single football player brings mom, dad, and both siblings to the game. Like 400. You could socially distance any way you want. They volunteer to wear masks if need be. They volunteer to buy season tickets so you could assign them seats in a way that you were ensuring social distancing. No, no, no. And this isn't just football. Let, let's talk about soccer and any other outdoor sport that plays in the spring. This is not just a football thing, but it's being most exposed by the football yes. thing. Let's not kid ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I can't explain to you the science. And Dr. Shirley Jackson is a scientist. And as I just said on our own show, I've been told for how many months, so many different ways, trust the science. Well, when the hell is Shirley Jackson going to trust the science? I, it just, it comes off as just very, I don't know if ignorant is the right word, but just like willfully difficult. Because I mean, you're exactly Only right. Hawaii. Only Hawaii is the other school that we know of that has this policy. And Hawaii has been kind of behind the curve for a while anyway. We get that. But still, it, 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 to ban everybody, no. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's like what you said about, you know, all right, let's say every single RPI engineer brings their four members of their family to a football game, which we all know is not normally the case. Maybe, you know, if you've got people in the area, sure, you bring your family, but we're talking about max 400 people coming to the game to support, you know, your brothers and your team, your family. It's a huge stadium. It's a beautiful stadium. Like it's, you know, we've, we've all been there. It's, there's plenty of space mm-hmm. to space everybody out triple what, you know, the recommended distance would be. And we're talking about Division Three football, where a huge part of it is, is, you know, love of the game and just kind of like the love of the game, for lack of a better term, is for letting for being able to play the game that you love in front of your friends and family. And it just it doesn't it doesn't add up. This is Dr. Jackson's last year as president at RPI. And uh, some of the rumblings are that trustees aren't fully buying into this either. But uh, she wields a very big sword over there enough that they're going to fall in line ultimately but it, there is also thought that she wants to have some kind of role in the biden administration and interesting yeah. but hmm. the thing to me is that even the biden administration doesn't agree with this okay the cdc etc don't agree with the idea that being outdoors socially distanced you're safe or at yeah. least as safe as you're going to be yeah. add a mask to the equation if you really need to just to feel even safer it's what she's doing if she's trying taking to into account herself. like you know vaccinated families like yeah and and like you talked about you know with the breaking the bubble if they really wanted to be careful and they would have opened up the gym and at least just really confined them to that bubble also why did. are we also why are we still doing a bubble in a division three program i mean are, how many division three programs are doing a bubble none that's the thing they're the only ones now i believe the gym's back open at least so at least they're keeping them on campus in that way but 
you know, that was when we thought it was a contact disease and didn't think it was just a fully respiratory disease. It's a respiratory right. disease, yeah. folks. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Germs from your mouth can get onto things and you can cross pollinate and all that stuff. But they realize that the, yeah, the, the quality quantity needed to become infected is more through this than through touch. Okay. At the end. So now that we've learned that and accept that, what changes are you making at that point related to that? Now to open the gym would be a great thing by them. And I hope, I believe that's true. They did, but in the stadium, what are these parents going to do that is going to create an issue? Let's put them on the uh, opponent's side of the stadium. Okay. So you've kept them away from the student body that way. Put up ropes so they can't get to the students uh, on the field after the game even. But even though they're going to be together afterward anyway. You're stupid if you think they're not going to go see their families and talk to their kids yeah, face to face. They're there, yeah. <laughs> but if you want to have the feeling that you've created safety and you want to rope out the thing or fence it in somehow, you go ahead and do that. Yeah, go ahead. And then we'll make fun of you for that too. But at the same time, at least you feel better for yourself because that's all this is. This is her feeling better about herself for some reason. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is because again, if it's for a position in the Biden administration, I'm going to be down there testifying. I'm calling Elise Stefanik here uh, in my uh, district to say, get me on the list of uh, people who testify against her for this because she has no common sense. And if she's running NASA or something, I think you need some common sense. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell up. you. This up. isn't common sense anymore. I'll ask and you. So, uh, oh, continue. Continue. No, I was just going to say. And so if we're really looking at why or who is controlling these decisions and everything else, when it comes to one person making a decision, unless your name's Tony Fauci, I'm really not impressed by it at this point. And even he, you know, I have my feelings about him, but. Yeah, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Fauci, he, he knows a lot, says a lot and everything else. I'm not listening to Dr. Shirley Jackson to give me ideas about COVID when nobody else agrees with her at this point. Nobody. Go yeah, ahead. Uh, yeah, like you said, the science isn't really there. Um, I think I'll ask you one last follow-up question because I think Ben and I have a burning last question for this interview. Um, but on this, on this RPI topic, I mean, do you see this affecting the program in the future in terms of players maybe not wanting to go there in the future or players looking to transfer? Because RPI, as we've learned over the last couple of seasons, mm. is a pretty strong program. You know, none of the three of us have played football, I don't believe, or at least not at uh, this we, level. Matisse and I were on a very competitive flag football team at Ithaca. I'll have you know. <laughs> competitive, will... maybe, maybe not. It's a strong word. <laughs> I, you guys are competitive in your own right. I mean, if you're getting into fights over fantasy football, I know what you guys are. But at the same time, we don't understand the feeling of that brotherhood necessarily. I was right. in fraternity. I, I don't know if you guys were Ithaca or not, but at Union, I was. And so I, I at least had that feeling of it. So these guys on this football team, they're a brotherhood, and it is tough to break that bond once you're there. However, from what I understand, especially the freshmen and the super freshmen, if you want to call, you know, the ones that were there but still have all four years left, are really beginning to run into doubts about whether they want to stick around. The, the one bright light is that she's not going to be there after this year right. at mm -hmm. this school year for them. But you never know what you're going to get next necessarily. Yeah, that, that, that brings either. up a whole other bag of questions where it's like, well, who's, 
who's taking over? Ithaca is in a, in a very similar, essentially in the same spot right now. They have no president. It's like, well, okay, it's not Dr. Jackson anymore, but who's it going to be? Yeah, and so th- there is that self-doubt running through that avenue of, uh, you know, mindset of in questioning and whatnot. So the answer is, Right now, no, it is not affecting them in the student body sense, in enrollment sense, but it is going to if it doesn't change soon. And this is why we keep clamoring about it. We could just say this is a lost cause this uh, season and we're not going to fight for this anymore. But nobody wants to see RPI players. Some of the people that are the most vocal about it are union people. Okay, mm-hmm. Union RPI is a huge rivalry, as you guys know. It's not yeah. Ithaca Cortland necessarily, but it's up there and it's played the same weekend. And talk to Jeff Behrman, he's like, I feel so horrible for Ralph Isernia right now because this is bull. This, there is just no explaining this and to treat those families that way. Some of the union parents have been the ones that have been the most vocal on my Twitter uh, posts about. I can't even believe they would do this to them. I, uh, we, we stand with you on this one. Yeah. So th- the whole idea here is that nobody wants to see negatively affect RPI. Even if you hate them from the rivalry standpoint, you want to see them lose on the football field for the right reasons. You don't want to see them lose because their president didn't know enough to allow folks on the visiting si- side of the stadium using a discreet entry point and making sure they're socially distanced during the game with masks on. I mean, that's what the policy could be and not affect a damn thing in this and open up some Porter John somewhere for them on the field level or near field level if they needed them. That's it. And we're done. We're done. That's all you got to do. And rinse and repeat for baseball and or soccer or whatever else you've got going on right now. That's it. Is it really that tough? Is it going to cost you that money? Well, if you sell season tickets to them, they're going to pay for something there. So at least it mm-hmm. washes. Yeah. It's, it's funny you mentioned, you know, wanting to see a certain team in that union RPI rivalry want to lose on the football field, because that leads us to our final question of our conversation here. I'll say that we would like both teams to lose if possible. Yes, but, ideally. Yeah. Uh, November 6th. Oh, that, that's a really interesting how you got there, Frank. Um November 6th, Ithaca versus Union. It's the last regular season, regular season week for the Liberty League. It's before Cortica, before the Dutchman Shoes game. Wow. Did not think we should, should have done today. this earlier. Hold, hold on. We stand with RPI. And that's my way of saying it here. And Coach, I certainly sent this to me. Didn't think I'd wear it. And I, I, I certainly didn't get. think I'd see you wearing an RPI advisor <laughs> well, today. Not, not, not on week 11, I won't be. That's for yeah, sure. No, but okay. Back, 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 what I'm getting back at to here, your question. Ithaca and Union have played a couple of really, really close games the last handful of years. That in, in 2019, the game at Butterfield was essentially the Liberty League championship game. Union, unfortunately, did come out on the right side of that one. I believe IK Irabor popped off like a 40 something yard run. On a hold, on a hold. Of course, it was clearly a on hold. A hold. Clearly a hold. I will say, Frank, you're no longer allowed back on the Ithaca campus following that game, but that's neither here the nor The question there. here is uh, a two-part question. A, do you see that being the Liberty League Conference Championship game again, de facto conference championship game? 
it's uh, we got a four way race going on right now. Uh, yes. This this is a conference that very well could deserve a pool C bid, except they may beat themselves up so much that mm -hmm. we may end up out of that position where everybody has a loss or two two losses, and then we lose the chance to no that pool C bid. So the answer is I don't know because Union RPI the next week could just as easily be the next de facto championship game. Okay, so. There is a lot of football to be played between these four teams. And, hey, throw in St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence isn't going to roll over and play dead. Rochester looks like a better team and almost uh, took it to Case Western Reserve, which never happens, okay? Uh, and Buffalo State, they're, they're struggling out there. I'm not going to lie about that. Yeah. But you, you've got some interesting football to be played. So I can't say for sure November 6th is going to be the de facto Liberty League championship this go-around because I don't think it will be. Regardless of if it's the conference championship game or not, the follow-up question there is uh, how many points is I think you're going to win by? <laughs> wow. Matthias, you all your guests like this? Only the ones that went to Union. <laughs> oh, Matthias and I have a saying that our, our friends have taken up to uh, bombers by 50, and I think, that's, I think that's a pretty fair line. Yeah. Look, Union had their scare against uh, Springfield a couple of games ago in all seriousness. And although they let Utica stick around for a little while in the game on Saturday, it was 14 to nine until the fourth quarter. So it's, it's one of those situations where I thought union would be rolling over teams a little bit better than they are. Now they've had injuries. In fact, that Springfield game, Erebor and Ross uh, both were either injured or during the game got injured. I think Erebor may have uh, during the game got tweaked. Um, but Ross was in street clothes. Uh, he played against Utica and got two touchdowns. Of course. So I, my, my thought here is that they are still growing as a team, but they better grow pretty fast because the stakes are going to start to get pretty high here really fast. And I think ultimately Ithaca Union is going to be probably a pick them by that yeah. point. Now, the rankings are beginning to reflect that fact. I think where Union's at, uh, I'm looking right now. Union's 13? at 12. I think it's yep. at 17. So little by little, the rankings are starting to prove that. Now, let me tell you also though that Hobart is just off my ballot right now. They're probably number 27. They, my my 24 through 27. I had to the, tell you 21 on the official ballot right now. Yep. Yeah. So here's here's the, my ballot is RPI 24. Uh, Salve Regina at 25 because they're still undefeated and uh, took it to Rowan in the second half the other day. 26 is Merchant Marine Academy because they are rolling over teams right now in a way that you don't expect the Merchant Marine team to do it. <laughs> and 27 is Hobart. And so we, we've got four teams in a conference that are within reach of being in a top 25 right. scenario. That never happens here. But you can see Union Ithaca, at least, is consolidating enough little by little each week that they're going to be a pick -em if they continue to win up to that mm -hmm. point. And I, that's, I, I can't say to you, yeah, Union's going to win this game by 30 or something like that. I wouldn't be honest with you. And that hasn't been the way that this game. the Union games have gone in the last handful of years. And they've been no. competitive, close football games. And for, you know, that's, that's a win for everybody involved at the end of the day. It's just quality oh, yeah. end-of-season football. It's awesome. Absolutely. Now, I, I think it's interesting that Liberty League was one of those leagues that deleted 2020 completely. So we end up with at Ithaca, at Ithaca, two games in a row yeah. uh, between the two teams. 
And I, I think that was a mistake. I honestly, we should have just said, okay, we'll move the 2020 slate to 2021 and just move everything off by one year that way. I, I, I wish they would have made that move so that at least people wouldn't be complaining. RPI ends up with six home games that way, which obviously be, don't become much of a home uh, the way that's no played out. Yeah. But anyway, you get the point. So <laughs> Union, I think, wins. Personally, I think they do have the experience compared to Ithaca, and that's a big deal that's a here. Very good, yeah, that is definitely a big story. But at the same time, it, 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 any given Saturday, guys, I get it. Any given Saturday. It, Springfield looked like they didn't belong in the same caliber going into that game, and they almost pulled it off. So any given Saturday right there. All right, Franco, I know you're a busy guy and you probably have to go yell at a bunch of uh, other people, so we'll let you go, but we appreciate you hopping on. He's Frank Ross from In the D3FB Huddle. You can find him on Facebook, on Twitter, basically any social media. If you're looking for D3 football coverage, there's only one place to go when it's there. And Frank, we always appreciate you hopping on the show. Well, d3football.com might complain about that, but I mean, uh, I appreciate that plug at the end of the day. Hey, we're, we're friendly with them pleasure. too. We're friendly with them too, so we don't want to get in trouble. But yeah, we yeah. Got, so we so got back home and company. Got to bring up the okay? football when we can. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, you guys do a great job. I'm glad to see you guys uh, doing uh, content again. And uh, you know, let, let's uh, grab a bite to eat when you come visit Matias in New York sometime, Ben. And I'll come down and we can uh, talk about your fantasy football woes. And <laughs> maybe I can, maybe I can mediate for the right price uh, for you guys, okay? It, they're we not have, woes the, for the me. The way this season is going, it might have to happen. We have the same yeah. record, Matias. Don't give me that. Yeah, not last season we didn't. <laughs> oh, boy. Frank, oh. thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> thank you, guys.